y'all, welcome back for another episode of MD Tribe. This week we have Dr. Anya Bazell, who is a non-traditional medical school applicant. She's originally from Massachusetts. She ended up going to Georgia to pursue both of her master's degrees, um, master's in public health and master's of science, prior to going to medical school in Georgia as well. She ended up becoming a fashion blogger throughout her journey in medical school, and she's just had a roller coaster of a journey in medical school, which she tells us all about. So I'm gonna let y'all get the tea from her, but her journey is just incredible. She's so resilient and so strong. And that is what really caught my eye when I first came across her on Instagram. I just really wanted to capture her story and share it with others because I think a lot of us can learn from it. And so I am very excited to introduce her today and share a little bit of her story. She's currently working with the CDC Foundation during her gap year uh, prior to starting her work as a physician. And she is currently located in Martha's Vineyard, living her best life, continuing with her fashion blog. So without further ado, here's MD Tribe. This week we have Dr. Anya Bazell, and I am very excited to interview her. She is amazing on social media, which is where I met her through. So without further ado, uh, please tell us about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be interviewing with you. I was originally born in Westboro, Massachusetts, grew up there for a few years, then went down to Georgia to live with, um, well, my family and I moved together. So um, lived there for a few years, came back up to Boston to go to college, went back down for my two masters and my medical degree. And here we are. So I am just flip-flopping back and forth from Massachusetts to Atlanta because here I am again during my gap year working on Martha's Vineyard in the CDC to assist with COVID relief efforts. So I am a non-traditional doctor, um, still non-traditional even after medical school because I am taking a gap year before applying to residency. And I am also a fashion blogger because I needed desperately a creative outlet during medical school. And once I started my blogging career, that is when I started to actually perform better in school. So that is me, fashion blogger, medical doctor. That is awesome. I, I love that. And that's what originally attracted me to your page. I was like, oh my God, her, like all her content is just so vibrant, you know? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been well, a really good time. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and start with the first question, which you kind of touch upon it a little bit, but when did you first decide to become a physician? I decided pretty early on. I grew up in quite a non-traditional household because I lived not only with my parents and my brothers, but also my maternal grandparents. We all lived in the same household once I moved to Georgia. And so seeing my grandparents go through every single thing they went through with the healthcare system, whether it was limited health literacy, limited health education, the chronic illnesses faced, and watching my mom took them to and from different doctor's appointments and not really knowing how to enhance their health 
that was really frustrating for me as a child because I just always felt like I was a helper in the family. But with this particular issue, I could not assist because I didn't have the knowledge either. And so I just began to wonder how many other people who look like me go through difficulty when trying to navigate the healthcare system. And so I decided that I wanted to give back to my community by becoming a physician. I did think about other things once I got to the high school age. Um, I thought about photography, I thought about dance, I thought about a lot of other creative things that I was into at the time and still am into, but I just always came back to medicine and having a purposeful career and doing what my community needed. Awesome. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think, oh, the only way I can impact people and, you know, make healthcare decisions is by becoming a physician, but mm -hmm. there's many different ways that you could make an impact. So I really like how you highlighted that. How was your experience? So you went off to Boston University. How was your experience there, especially as a pre-med? My experience was tough. So tough, in fact, that I had to change my major if I wanted to graduate in four years. Well, I didn't have to change it. I could have probably toughed it out and made the mark, but I didn't want to. <laughs> so I ended up changing my major from biology to history. And it was the best decision that I made because once you become, um, once you leave the pre-med years in undergrad, it's not likely that you'll have the time or opportunity to study in depth anything else other than hardcore sciences and medicine. So studying history, African-American studies, that really did make my experience at BU. When it came to the pre-med courses, they were extremely difficult. The school unfortunately practices grade deflation, so everything is based on a curve, and then you can get marked down a full letter grade if there are too many A's in the class. I didn't know that before I went to BU because yeah. I just didn't speak to anyone in the pre-med department. You know, I was, I went on a tour and spoke to the student ambassador. <laughs> the school sounded great and it was, um, but it just, it wasn't the optimal environment for me as a pre-med student. I also did not feel heavily supported by the staff in the pre-med advising office as soon as I started to struggle in those classes, it was a conversation that went towards, well, what else in the medical field can you do outside of becoming a physician? And I even kept in touch with one of the advisors when I went on to my second graduate degree. And he basically said, well, unless you have over 3.0, you're not going to get into medical school. That was not true because I got into medical school and I actually had my choice of medical schools. So. My experience at BU was an arduous one, but I do not take it for granted. It definitely built me into the human being I am today. And I made some lifelong friendships there and had an amazing time at all those Chocolate City parties. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of um, advisors and people along the way that we turn to for advice and then they just make things worse and suck the life out of us, the little bit of life that we have left. So right. I definitely can relate to that, but I'm glad you stuck to the journey and continued on despite everything that was said. Me too. So you went on to continue to get your Master's of Public Health and your Master's of Science, correct? Correct. 
how was congratulations because that is amazing <laughs> thank and amazing you achievement i know i recently received my master's and i was actually really surprised to find out how little of minority women attain a master's degree mm-hmm. so kudos to you <laughs> thank you so much kudos to you Thank you. Um, how was that experience and how do you think it helped you in preparing to become a physician? Those two degrees, it was like coming up for fresh air because I finally felt like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I'm putting my career back on track after being derailed at my undergrad institution and I feel like I'm actually making progress. So in that uh, effort. It was it was great, and public health was not some, neither degree was something that I had originally planned. I thought I was going to go straight from undergrad to med school, but taking the time to really understand how public health, in particular, plays into medicine, that is something that I do not take for granted. I continue to pull on my public health skills even now, especially now, when I was afforded the opportunity to get this position with the CDC Foundation, it was because of my public health degree and experience. So being someone who is conscious of public health um, programming, health education, health literacy, what that means, how to correlate that to the community in which you want to work, that is all extremely important to me as it pertains to being a physician who is focused not just on the physicality of a patient, but the overall wellness of the patient. That is something that I will always pay attention to. We're not just treating symptoms here. What's causing the symptoms outside of physicality? And I have that mindset because I took the time to get a master's in public health and my master's degree in biomedical sciences, that was something that really helped to boost my confidence before going to med school because it showed me that I can perform well in upper level science classes. So neither degree was on my docket of things to do as a future physician, but they both served a great purpose. And I'm so glad that I invested and took the time to do them. That's amazing. And you literally took the words out of my mouth because when you said you know, how valuable public health is. I was like, especially now, you know, we're literally living in the middle of a pandemic. And I think now more than ever, public health has been magnified and its importance (laughs) um, and how it plays a role in delivering healthcare. So definitely, definitely. And I I also graduated um, with a lower GPA as an undergrad um, because of reasons like no grade forgiveness um, that was playing a role at my school. And so I also unplanned, but ended up doing a master's in medical sciences. Um, Oh, great. Good. Yeah, so good, good, good. I can definitely echo the, the confidence in academics that it boosts prior to attending medical school, so. Right, there's so many different paths to get there. You don't have to go straight from undergrad. Yeah. (laughs) So now kind of diving into like your journey to medical school and applying, I know MCAT tends to be a big hurdle for many. What was your experience Mm -hmm. like? I took the MCAT three times. The second time around, I took a course And I actually scored two points lower (laughs) because I was in a course with a lot of people and I have never studied well in groups. I'm so much better one-on-one, especially if I'm working with a professor who has that knowledge base. So that was a great lesson early on. Anya 
stick to what you know, girl. Um, so I started my master's program and that really helped me, the master's of medical science or biomedical sciences, because I was le learning and seeing the information on the MCAT in depth every single day. And so I took the MCAT when it was based on the original scale. And by the time I took it, I think it was the summer after my first year in that program, I was able to gain about six points. And that's a lot on the old scale and MCAT world. It can make a it can make a significant difference. And it did. It was enough to get me into medical school. That time I studied by myself and I used all the exam crackers, materials, the books, the practice questions, all of that. And um, that was enough. My that's score was not stellar, but it was enough to get accepted. Enough to get in and that's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can definitely echo that. I always have questions um, from pre-med students or students that end up doing the masters that I did about, should I try doing MCAT while I'm in the program or should I do it after? And I always kind of, you know, say like, what's your experience with standardized tests? You know, like, did you take it already? If so, you might want to wait till after because it provides an extra foundation Mm -hmm. um, or strengthens the foundation that you already have. Exactly. Or even if there's, it's a, if it's a two-year program, take the MCAT in between the two years, the summer in between the two years. It's the perfect time because by the time your AMCAS is submitted, you'll likely have your scores back and that'll go along with your application. And then when you complete the second year, you can also update admissions committees with those grades because admissions committees love to see a final product. And if you can show that you can perform well over a certain period of time, um, usually it's best if it's more than a year because they like to see that longevity, then you should be good to go. Yeah. So I know you mentioned earlier that you were you know, against all odds and what people have said, you got into mm -hmm. the top medical school of your choice. Mm -hmm. um, so what was your experience like applying to medical schools? Did you apply broadly or were you focused on that one school? I applied broadly. I applied all up and down the Eastern seaboard. Um, I didn't mind moving because I had already relocated for undergrad. Why not do it again? I have family in the Northeastern region. So I applied everywhere, even on the West Coast. But because my MCAT score was not extremely high and because my science GPA was not extremely high, I did not get a whole bunch of interviews. I think I narrowed it down to two schools. And the one I really wanted to go to was also where I got my master's in public health. And I just knew a little bit more about the school. And it definitely aligned with my values when it comes to serving underserved communities. So I did put that school at the top of my list for those reasons, but I was not opposed to going elsewhere. Okay. And if you could describe your experience in medical school in one word, what would the word be? Oh, Jesus. Uh, gosh, just one word, huh? <laughs> I guess you could do two. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't, describing that experience is just so difficult because so many things happened. I would say, just to put it in simple terms, I would say difficult. Um, I, yeah, I would say difficult. I would have to explain. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna it was just so much. 
when I came across your Instagram, it just like screamed resilience and persistence mm-hmm. to me. Thank you. No problem. And I would just love for you to share, you know, that whole experience with step one and just that whole shebang. Um, so yeah. if you could share with us that. Sure, sure. So I failed step one multiple times. And it was extremely hard for me because I worked so diligently to get through second year. I got through second year because a new young instructor in pathology reached out to me and said, hey, notice you're having some trouble. You're not in trouble. Come see me. And that was the first time all year that someone said, you're not in trouble. I want to help you. So I went and worked with her. We got through second year and I ended up failing step one. Because I failed step one, I had to be pulled from my psychiatry rotation. Um, Actually, no, that didn't happen. I failed step one. I was in psychiatry and after the psychiatry rotation ended, I had to be pulled from third year and start studying. But the issue was that among everything else, was that I could not receive financial aid until I passed that exam. And so, yeah, it was this new rule that the school came up with because the people in the class before had issues with passing the exam and it messed up financial aid and there was just a lot going on with that department. So they made it so that from then on, you could not receive financial aid until you passed the exam. That exam just kicked me in the teeth so many times. And it was frustrating because I just did not know what I was doing wrong. In the past, I was able to kind of get just enough to get by, but this time it wasn't cutting it, what I was doing. And so the second time around, I studied using doctors in training, DIT, and that got me a lot of points, but it just still wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And so when I failed it for the Second time, I started studying again on my own. Faculty was telling me, you know, well, you need to just whip out the textbooks and reread everything, and you need to, you know, open up UWorld and do all those questions. And I was just like, surely there's a better way because (laughs) how do you just read everything from first and second year and take the test in a reasonable amount of time? And so that didn't work. And then I was up for dismissal, and they dismissed me. That was extremely difficult because of everything I had already done to get into medical school. Mm -hmm. And of course I felt very downtrodden, but I just knew that God did not bring me that far just for me to end that way. Yeah. I knew that for a fact. I just didn't know when he would show up. And so I was very upset with God. I was very upset with my predicament with myself you know, I take full ownership of what happened during that time with my step exams. I just wish I had had someone earlier in the game tell me, Anya, here's a focused plan for what you need. Yeah. And, you know, that that just wasn't happening. It was kind of, well, you took this exam, you know, when we told you not to, we told you you needed more time. You didn't take more time. So you're out. And it wasn't that I needed more time. I needed more strategy. And that's something the school, unfortunately, was not able to offer, not a strategy that worked for me, per se. So I decided that I was not done. 
I was going to be a doctor no matter what at that school. And I appealed the dismissal. The president of the school saw something in me and gave me another chance. And so I got scholarships to pay the school what I owed. Um, there was a $10,000 scholarship that literally just fell in my lap. I got that so I could, you know, pay for my school. I got other scholarships so I can help my parents pay for my bills because they paid for everything at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned that there was a test taking strategist at my school the entire time I'd struggled. He was working in the ID, IT department, not the academic department. And the school did not use him because of personal matters and conflict, which is extremely unfortunate. And I learned that because my academic advisor who helped me through second year went off campus to some conference and she found out there was another um, faculty member from the school and they met up and he was just like, yeah, I, you know, on the side, on the test taking strategist. And she's just like, what? You work in IT and you're a test taking strategist. Why doesn't the school use you? I have a student who needs to pass step one now. Can you help? And so the three of us started working together. He gave me the strategy that he uses for students at other schools who are about to be kicked out of residency or kicked out of medical school. We started all three working the strategy together and we worked for months, about three to four months. And then I took the exam and I passed it. And I got back <laughs> into third year. And um, that was that. There's so many other things that happened after that. I had to rebuild my confidence. I had to figure out how to use his strategy and still work all day in clinic. There were times when I fumbled on my shelf exams because I just was not um, making sure I had that balance. But at the end of the day, I learned what I needed in order to pass standardized exams. And because of his strategy, I was able to go back and pass the exams I fumbled on. I figured out how to rebuild confidence. And I passed step two on the first try, even though a group of 25 experts said I would never pass my shelf exams. I would never pass any of my step exams. I would never graduate. I would never be a doctor. I've done all those things. So that is the story. That is incredible because I feel like, I feel like coming into medical school when I had like my first failure, it was like the end of the world. Um, and you know, I always hear pre-meds when they fail their first like class in college and I'm like, you're going to pass. Like, you know, it's one failure and it's going to be one of many that come along the road. So you just mm -hmm. have to learn how to cope with not being perfect, which I think exactly. a lot of us strive to be perfect and the smartest and the brightest and the most, you know, active, but it's okay to not be perfect, you know? Right. I think there's a difference between being perfect and being effective. Just because you're perfect and you do well on exams, it does not make you an effective physician. There's so much more that goes into being a physician outside of passing exams. These exams show how well you take a test, not what you know. When you know information, when you're able to communicate with your patients in a way that they understand, when you're able to provide education, that is what a physician makes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just feel like that needs to be more apparent in our medical school training. 
Yeah, and I think what I like about um, my school in particular is that our system is pass-fail. So mm. it takes away that pressure of having to get 100 or a 90 or an A, whatever it is. It's like, as long as you pass and you have the knowledge at, an, at a certain you know extent, then you're good to continue on. And they also emphasize like, you have to be just as good as your clinical skills than you are you know in the books because you can be excellent at the books, but if you can't apply that to being a compassionate physician, then nobody's mm-hmm. gonna care how smart you are, you know? Exactly. I've never had a patient ask me what I made on step. I did have a patient ask me for my MCAT score, but she was on one that day and I let her know that was inappropriate. So you'll rarely be asked what your board exam scores are. <laughs> that is weird. Maybe she was taking the MCAT herself. <laughs> no, she said she had a family member who was in medical school, and I think she was just trying to demonstrate her knowledge of the medical field and, you know, well, my nephew is in medical school. What was your MCAT score? Ma'am, if your nephew had spoken to you, you would know that's inappropriate to ask, so. okay so you defeated step one you defeated step two and then you go on to applying to residency at what stage Mm -hmm. did you select the specialty that you were going to go into and why I honestly still have not selected I know what area I'm interested in at the end of the day but they're many ways to get to that focal point. Um, My interest is in women's health, and that is because of my exposure I received when I was in my public health program. I was exposed to maternal and child health very early on, as well as global health. So merging the two, I just fell completely in love with women's health as a whole. I think that Women's health is the epicenter of medicine because if a woman's healthy, her family is healthy, the community is healthy. And that to me is extremely important and something that I want to be a part of. So I would say that I fell in love with women's health in public health school. And then my family medicine and OBGYN rotations confirmed that when it comes to the medical side of things, the interest remains. That's awesome. I've actually never heard it put that way of women's health being like the epicenter and like if the woman's health is you know very well then everything else will go smoothly so I actually really like that perspective because I never thought about it that way I'm kind of stuck on I love women's health um and Mm -hmm. I'm a second year so I haven't done any rotation so I'm even more in the dark but (laughs) um I'm always stuck (laughs) on the fact that in family medicine you can do a lot of women's health and you can do like stuff similar to OBGYN except surgery um mm-hmm. but in OBGYN it's like all of women's health but and you can do primary care but you kind of give up you know other things in family medicine are, are you leaning towards one or the other or are you just still keeping an open mind I'm still keeping an open mind because I Going through the experience of med school and step one has really shown me that I am not a physician who is going to be in the hospital, in clinic, all day, every day. I have so many other things that I want to do with my life. I have so many other ways that I want to um, just expand my career. So 
whichever path will get me to being in a clinic with young women of color and making sure that they have the information they need to keep themselves healthy, I'm going to be okay with that. So yes, I'm definitely keeping an open mind and understanding that I'm not going to be super picky or specific about the route I take because my path has just been so non-traditional already. And I just embrace change. I embrace the unknown. And I also embrace having a life outside of the medicine. That's awesome. Yes. And uh, so you kind of told us about how you did a gap year, which is non-traditional. What made you decide to take a gap year between graduating from medical school and applying to residency? Well, it was actually decided for me because I did not have step two scores back until January, (laughs) which is pretty much the end of interview season. So I originally planned to take my step two exam in October And I just kept pushing it back and pushing it back until I felt ready to take it because I knew that I needed to take it once and once only. That was my goal. And so because of my step one fiasco, I knew that I would have to have a good step two score or at least passing on the first try. Mm -hmm. So the decision was made for me that a gap year (laughs) would occur, Um, which carries a lot of stigma, but this gap year has been so amazing. So, so amazing in so many ways. And we can discuss that if you want to. I don't want to keep going on and on. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. I know um, how common, because I I know you said this is not common, but if you had to guess like how many medical students elect to do this or um, fall into this situation, um, how many would you say it is? I would say it's very uncommon. I would, you know, say that you can count on your one hand how many fall into this kind of situation um, after a graduating year because, again, there's so much stigma attached to it. And because most students don't fail step one, you know, the pass rate is not in the toilet. So (laughs) most students don't have to deal with something like that. Um, So I would say it's pretty uncommon. And because of that, a lot of people do look down on it. When classmates found out that I wasn't matching or starting residency this year, some of them reached out and actually cared to know if I was okay. And I felt like others were just probing um, and trying to get information, which is like trying to get the tea. <laughs> annoying. Um, I had someone yeah. even ask me if I needed to move in with her and her roommates because maybe I didn't have any money. I was just like, wow. (laughs) But here I am working for the CDC in Martha's Vineyard and making more than the average first year resident salary. So I would say that having a gap year can be a beautiful experience. You know, going into residency completely stressed out, not having had any rest after medical school, it's not always ideal and it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage anyone who finds themselves in a predicament similar to mine to just enjoy the journey. We're all going to the same place, adulthood and bills and our careers. And if someone gets there one year earlier than you do in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? Come work for the CDC, make more money. (laughs) Be on a beautiful island. (laughs) 
<laughs> How has your experience been working with the CDC, especially during COVID? It has been absolutely incredible. I am working with people who are so supportive of me and the um, relief efforts that I'm trying to establish here. People really respect and appreciate my work, which feels so nice. After being in school for so long, I'm finally able to implement what I've learned and you know feel and be treated and regarded as a professional. So that's amazing. And of course, it's work that's impactful, work that means something and work that's needed, which is what I've always wanted my career to be about. So it's been a wonderful experience. Not to mention, I'm in the Northeast again, which is back to my home roots. I'm seeing friends and family members who I have not seen since I left here after being in Boston. And this is my first time living on an island and living in Martha's Vineyard because who lives in Martha's Vineyard year round, right? I've been here once before, close to the summer months. It was about May, so right before their season begins. Um, but living here during the year has just been so beautiful in addition to the work I get to do every day. So it's been great. That's amazing. Do you plan on entering the match this year or next year? Or the I plan on entering this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do you, are you nervous about it? I'm not. I can't say that I am. I think that after what I experienced with step one, there is little that makes me nervous and little that gives me anxiety, which is a blessing. God always knows what he's doing. I feel like after that debacle, I can really handle any and everything. I'm not going to be the, well, not, I'm not a medical student anymore. I'm not going to be the physician who's, you know, coasting and thinking about interviews and residency and interview season all day, every day. I'm gonna be posting a colorful outfit because that's my thing and that's what I'd prefer to talk about. Um, I just feel like after being dismissed from school, what, what <laughs> worse can happen, yeah. right? I, so to be quite honest, and I'm not just being facetious, to be quite honest, mm -hmm. I don't have a great deal of anxiety about um, the match because the least likely thing to me is always what ends up happening in my life. I never thought I would be working for the CDC and living on Martha's Vineyard. That's just completely outlandish, but it happened. And so I'm not going to try to project what's going to happen with the match because I'm probably going to be totally wrong. So I'm just going to do my best on these interviews I have lined up and enjoy the ride and see where God takes me next. And I feel like that, that is truly living. Yeah. And having that faith is so mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. So you touched upon uh, what you love to do outside of, you know, being a doctor. And I want to dive into that because I, yeah. I know I always see your outfits and everything like that. So can you tell us a little bit about your passions outside of medicine? Yes. So I have always been a creative at heart. I was that kid in high school taking my lunch break to finish my pot from pottery class or painting my mural. It's still in my high school, um, in the gymnasium, I think, um, or, you know, developing my film from photography class. I love the arts. I love anything creative. And so 
having surgery in the city really is a godsend because it just keeps me grounded. I did not know about blogging in high school. I didn't, I don't think it was a career. I don't think it was a thing. It was not a career path, but I'm so glad that I found it because it allows me to merge my love for medicine with my love for fashion. I absolutely love fashion. I love colorful clothing. I love showing other people how they can wear color too, because I see a lot of people just usually wearing black and brown, which is fine, but you know, you can be confident in color too. So that is the impetus behind surgery in the city, making sure I had a creative outlet, even in medical school, and just getting back to the root of what makes me me outside of the medicine. Mm-hmm. And your blog is beautiful. You Thank you so much. It's literally a work of art because Thank I looked you. at it prior to interviewing you, of course, and I'm like, wow, like it is just like the color schemes and every page is different and the pictures are so vibrant. It's just, you've done a phenomenal job. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm actually about to change it just a little bit because I get bored with things sometimes. So I'm going to change the format, but all the color will still be there. Do you do it all yourself or do you have like a, what is it? A visual assistant or something like that? I have a friend and photographer. Her name is Tina. She is absolutely amazing. We started working together consistently almost three years ago. And so she is definitely the person behind the images when it comes to the web page. Um, I usually get templates from different places that I think are good deals or that look good or have customer support. So that's how we put it all together. That's awesome. And I've always considered starting a blog, but mm-hmm. right now, girl, there's just so much. <laughs> I understand. With school, understand. so maybe maybe later on, but. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But your your blog is, is definitely something to live up to. So. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it is beautiful. Is there anything else you're really passionate about besides fashion and blogging? I would say my family. I am very passionate about my family and just making sure that their wellness is on track, making sure that I stay checked in with them. I speak to my mom pretty much every day when we're not together. Um, She's actually here with me right now in the vineyard, but she won't be here too much longer. So I call her every day. Um, And I just make sure that we're all staying connected. My family likes to say I'm the one who is kind of the glue that, you know, keeps people together, checks up on people. I'm very passionate about that and making sure that we don't take for granted the time we have together because anything can happen in an instant. My maternal grandparents are no longer here. My mom's brother, my uncle passed away when I was three. And so I take life and family ties very seriously because you just don't know how long you have definitely and I love that I think family is so important and I think a lot of times even even in other careers like we get we get so like sucked into our own life and like what we need Mm -hmm. to do that we kind of like medicine brush our family and friends aside so I definitely like how you said that Yes, I think it's important to maintain, especially when you're in med school, you know, you just don't have the time to pour into relationships the way that you would want to. And Mm -hmm. so having that intentionality becomes really important. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and my family and friends tend to get frustrated (laughs) with all of that. And I'm like, if you knew the five minutes I just spent with you were- That was a lot. (laughs) That was a lot, yeah. (laughs) So I I can definitely understand everything you're saying. And it is so important for you to share with everybody that's gonna be watching this because I feel like people really don't realize how valuable our time is and how like Mm -hmm. intentional we are with it you know so definitely and throw a blog on top of that and brand partnerships trying to balance two careers in medical school yeah it's a lot yeah especially when you're trying to be like intentional about the content that you're putting out it's like Mm -hmm. you can't just throw it together and Mm -mm. you know deliver it doesn't work that way Uh, so I definitely understand which leads me into my last question, which I think will sum up everything up very well. So after 29 years, five graduations, four degrees to become Dr. Bazell, <laughs> if you could offer two golden nuggets to a future doctor, what would they be? Oh my goodness. I would say do your best at every single thing you attempt, but do not be derailed if things do not turn out your way, it is okay. You can regroup, you can revise, you can revisit. If things don't work out exactly the way that you plan, you don't stop. That is not an indication that you need to stop. It's just an indication that you need to reroute. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the first thing. And also, you know, don't be too hard on yourself if your plans go awry. It's okay. That's life. It's life. And it happens to more people than you think. It's just that people don't talk about it openly because of the stigma attached. Um, I know that was like three things. <laughs> We're grouping them into one. The second thing I would say is put your blinders on and do not compare yourself to other people. And if you have negative people in your life who may me well, <laughs> but are just not supportive of you, your vision, who do not believe in your capabilities, stop talking to them. I don't care if it's a friend, if it's a love interest, if it's a faculty member, stop dealing with them. I've had to stop dealing with people at my school because they literally just did not believe in me. And when I felt that way, that was the final conversation. And I mean, final even if I see you in the hallway, we're not doing the black people nods. <laughs> Final conversation. So advocate for yourself and believe in yourself. And if others don't, that's okay. Do it twice, post it to Instagram and tag me. <laughs> yes, definitely tag her. Oh my God, that was so good. Your story is incredible. Your resilience is incredible. Just everything about you is incredible thank you so much you're so kind thank you of course and thank you so much for taking the time to interview with me and sharing your story for others to realize that you don't need to be perfect and you know all it takes is some effort and put on your blinders ignore people that are going to be talking against what you want to do and just do it you know yes absolutely absolutely you can do literally anything You just have to make up in your mind that it's going to happen. I decided when I was 
11 that I was going to be a doctor. So it did not matter what anyone else along my path said because I already decided and God already agreed and affirmed that it was going to happen. And that is the level of confidence that you have to have going into any kind of opportunity. Yeah, any career, you know, you need to know mm -hmm. your why to keep you growing. Right. right, and that it's possible no matter what is thrown at you. Oh, so good. Thank you so much. I You're wish welcome. you nothing but the best. With Thank you, same meeting, to you. With getting COVID out of here. <laughs> with, with all your interviews, I'm sure you're going to do incredible and continue Thank to be you. in an incredible position and impact so many lives. So thanks so much. So are you.